Lord God, we thank you for your love and mercy that you are greater than anything that we face in this world. And as we meet together as your people, um, Lord, just move in our hearts and our minds, and it's in your most precious name we pray, amen. You all may be seated. And again, welcome to uh, all of you, those of you who are online, those of you who are in person with us. In fact, um, we'd like to, to know that maybe you're here with us today, so there's a couple ways you can do that. You can either uh, fill out, put your name on the Connect card, those of you present in the seat in front of you, um, and you can put that in that offering box in the back there. You can even put a prayer request on the back. Or if you're brand new with us, we want to be able to connect with you, and so you can text the word welcome. You can take your phone out, use your uh, texting app, text the word welcome to the number 636-206-8654. Whether you're online or in person, if this is your first time, we just want to connect with you. And this way you can, uh, we can get some information to you. Don't worry, I won't show up at your door. Uh, we just want to be able to encourage you. And so we invite you to do that and encourage you to do that as well so that we can get to know you better. So the other day, um, I was on my way to Micro Center. I go there way too often. Gets me in trouble periodically with spending of money. But anyway, so I'm driving. I take the exit of 40. I'm getting ready to turn right into Brentwood. And there's a guy standing there who's got a sign. And obviously he's, you know, wanting something there. But my problem is what I see, in my mind at least, is a guy that I think he's probably going to take advantage of me if I give him some money. Or early on in my ministry, when I was a lot younger, I served at this small church, and it was pretty close to a major highway, and there wasn't a week that went by that there wasn't two or three people who didn't stop by and say, you know what, we need some gas money, or we're going to go see Grandma, and, you know, I, I got to this place where all I could see is somebody who just needed to get a job. In other words, my problem when I see people who are in need, whoever they are, wherever they happen to be, is that I don't see Jesus. Now, some of you are thinking, man, that's terrible for a guy who's a preacher. I mean, you're paid to see Jesus and everybody, right? But some of you also understand that. You're like, you've maybe had somebody take advantage of you when you were, you know, a lot younger and you tried to help them out and they just used you or maybe for you you grew up very poor you didn't have anything at all you didn't have any kind of support from your parents and you made it to where you're at today and you maybe you think they can make it well, all of us have this little bit of skepticism I think within us that when we see somebody who is indeed most of us tend to not see Jesus. And thankfully, God understands this about who we are, and Jesus himself tells this story about judgment time, about the end of time, in which he challenges us to have kind of a change of perspective, that when we see other people, particularly those who are indeed, our whole perspective and view has changed. In fact, here are some of the words that Jesus speaks to us today. This is Matthew chapter 25 and verse 40. And Jesus says these words here. Can you put that up there for me, Dale? Matthew 25, 40. Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Now I don't know about you, but that, that's a challenging verse to me. 
In fact, to me, this is a challenging passage, but at the same time, it's also a passage that I really need to be able to hear. This is a, an incident that Jesus tells us about judgment time that's important to me, and I know it's important to you. So we are in this series simply entitled, Get in the Game. It's a very short series. It's last week and this week, and the whole goal of this is for us to be able to open the door so that you can step into serving. In other words, find a life of significance by using the gifts and the talents and the time and the opportunities that God has given you to make an impact and a difference in the lives of other people. And it's just a real simple encouragement. We want to encourage you to serve Within the walls of the church building, we want to encourage you to serve outside the walls of the church building. Last week, you know, we talked about serving inside the walls of the building. You know, in fact, as you see around the outside, all of these tables, we encourage you last week, you know, to go have a conversation with somebody and to just visit with them about what, what's a way that you can serve within the walls of this church building. But today, we're changing that a little bit because as equally important and as significant as as it can be, is serving people outside the walls of this church building. And so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 25. So I want to encourage you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25 so that you can you know, follow along and know where we're at. Matthew chapter 25, where Jesus talks about the judgment, but the real lesson that he's talking about here is teaching us about what he values. In other words, who is important to him and who also should be important to us. And that is serving, as Jesus calls them, the least of these. And so whenever we see anybody in our world that has a need, here's where we're going today, here's the key, it's simply this, to look into the eyes of the less than and to see Jesus. Because if you're like me, that's not what you tend to do. And so today, I need Jesus working on my heart to say, I need to be a person who sees Jesus Christ. So the setting of Matthew chapter 25 is the, what's most often referred to as the Holy Week. In other words, this is the week just prior to the death of Jesus Christ. Um, he's probably only a couple of days away from you know, his own execution. And so... In Matthew chapter 24 and Matthew chapter 25, what Jesus is doing, he's basically answering a question that's been asked of him. So if you go to the beginning of Matthew chapter 24, beginning in verse 1, here's what that question is. He says, Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came to him to call his attention to its building. So they're pointing out this massive, great structure, this temple. Do you see all these things, he asked? Truly I tell you, not one stone will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. And there he's talking about the destruction of Jerusalem. And then as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. I love that because you know, they didn't want to embarrass themselves that they didn't know the answer in front of all the other people. Right, so let's go to Jesus privately. And they said, well, tell us, when will this happen, the destruction of Jerusalem? And what will be the signs of your coming and of the end of this age? And so Jesus spends the next two chapters, chapter 24 and chapter 25, answering those two questions. What will be the sign of this happening, the destruction of Jerusalem? And what will be the sign of the end of the age? And so Jesus spends this time. He talks about how we need to be prepared and ready because we don't know when he will ever come back. 
But then at the end of chapter 25, the passage we're looking at together today, Jesus speaks specifically about the judgment. In fact, he gives us a glimpse. He gives us a picture of what's going to happen in the judgment. But again, it's not as much about the judgment as it is about you and I learning what Jesus values. So Matthew chapter 25 and verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All right, so we have Jesus here, who is the Son of Man. And again, at this particular time, Jesus is in the role of being despised and rejected. In other words, the Old Testament talks about how he came, he was born as an infant, lived a very poor life, but then he gave his life as a sacrifice on the cross. That's why Jesus Christ came. But Jesus, only two days away from that event, is telling us about something that's going to happen down in the future. And he's saying, when I come back, I'm not going to come back all by myself as an infant to die on a cross. But what does he say? I'm going to come back in all of his glory and all the angels with him, and he will sit on his glorious throne. In other words, he's going to come from being despised and rejected, giving his life on the cross, to when he returns, he's going to come as king and kings and lord of lords. He's going to lead an army of angels. But then he goes on in verse 32. And all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from their goats, He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Now that sounds a little bit like a 4-H fair or something. I don't know if any of you grew up having animals, sheep and goats. Now, in that day, that was just a common thing. I mean, people saw sheep and goats all over the place. And so Jesus is using a common picture that they would have known and seen to give us a picture of what's going to happen at judgment, right? And so there's going to be this dividing or this judging, right? He's going to put, the king himself is going to separate. You're going to have the sheep on one side and you're going to have the goats on the other. So he's talking about the day. He's talking about judgment time here. And judgment is spoken of all throughout the whole Bible, but particularly the New Testament. Um, Passages that talk about the very day that Jesus is talking about would be an example from Revelation chapter 20, beginning in verse 11. Here's what Jesus gives to John in Revelation 20. He said, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on that throne. We know that. This is Jesus is the Son of Man. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. See, what we're learning is that all of humanity is accountable, that there is coming a day in which we will all stand before the judge, Jesus himself as king of kings, and we will give an account of our actions. In fact, Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 5.10. He says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Why? So that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. 
And so it's a picture of the judgment. And so what do we have here? We've got the sheep on one side and the goats on the other side. So am I going to say all of you are the sheep and all of you are the goats? No, I'm not saying that, right? we got the sheep and the goats. It's just a way of him dividing them up, and he speaks first to the sheep, all right? And so what does he say to the sheep? Verse 34, the king will say, come. You who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. I love this. It, it's an invitation. Come. You who are blessed by my Father. I love that phrase, right? I mean, that word blessed all throughout the New Testament. Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance. Take your inheritance. Inheritance isn't something I earn, right? Inheritance is a gift. And the inheritance comes because someone has died, right? And that person who has died is that king who gave his life as the one who was despised and rejected. And that I received that inheritance not because I earned it or anything. I received that inheritance because I put my faith and trust in the death of that king for my sins. And he, then he goes on to say, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of this world. I mean, this has always been the plan of God, this kingdom prepared for us. God has had that in mind since the very beginning of time. But that kingdom comes to me not because I merit it by my good deeds, but I inherit it by his death. It's important for us to see that even before we get to this next part, that it's because I am inheriting it. It is a part of my inheritance because of what Jesus did. And then he goes on in verse 35. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And so he's saying the choices that we make on this earth demonstrate whether I have put my faith and trust in the Father, whether I live by the values of Jesus Christ himself. And so he goes through this list. You were hungry. That's somebody who needs food, right? You were thirsty. That made me think of us going to Panama and digging wells so that they could have clean water. I was a stranger. In other words, I didn't have a home. I was homeless. I was in exile. I was an illegal alien. I was naked. I mean, that, that's the depth of poverty. Poverty. If I don't even have enough money to be able to have clothes, I was sick, you know, physically sick, maybe in the hospital or emotionally sick because of other things in my life. I was in prison. Now, the sheep are surprised at this, right? I mean, look what he says there beginning in verse 37. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in the prison and go and visit you? They're like, Jesus, I don't remember ever seeing you. I don't, I don't ever recall doing anything nice like this for you. I mean, they were extremely surprised. They were like, you know, we didn't do that for you. And then verse 40, the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. In other words, Jesus is saying, here's a value that I hold very high. Meeting the needs of those who are 
least of these. But what he's saying is, when I look into the face of anyone who fits that category, the least of these, I'm looking into the face of Jesus. Now, a couple questions I had as I was studying this, I want to know who are the least of these, right? If I'm going to be held accountable for how I treat the least of these, I want to know who that happens to be there when Jesus says that for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine. So most commentators will say that the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, Jesus used that term brethren or brothers and sisters to refer to disciples, those who are followers of his, right? In other words, it's... it's treating with kindness and compassion those who are part of God's family. But it's not just any disciple, right? It is a disciple who is in need, hungry and sick and, you know, thirsty in that particular category. So many commentators think when Jesus says, least of these brothers and sisters of mine, he's talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. But there's an equal number that would reference the way Jesus lived his life and who he hung out with on this earth. And who did Jesus predominantly hang out with? Well, the sinners and the outcasts and the hungry and the sick. He healed them. In other words, there's just as many who think what Jesus is saying here is it's like all of humanity who is in this great need. But what's amazing about this is simply whenever I do something like this to someone who is in that category, the least of these, God will remember he remembers that, and he brings it back up to me at judgment time. The other part of that verse that's intriguing to me is when Jesus says, you did that for me. To me, it's like anytime anyone does something kind or compassionate to a person who fits in that category least of these, that's Jesus that you're doing that for. And it's, we're not talking about these huge acts of goodness, you know, uh, these great magnanimous gestures, you know. We're talking about simple acts of kindness, of feeding somebody who's hungry and providing clothes for somebody who's naked. It's the simple kinds of things that Jesus was referring to here. And simple acts of mercy display a heart that is given to God. So he talks to the sheep, but now he talks to the goats. It gets way challenging. Verse 41, when then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. I mean, those are terrible words. Jesus the king is looking at people and saying, get away from me. Depart from me. He says, depart from me, you who are cursed. Then notice this, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. I mean, hell is a real place. But who does he say hell is prepared for? The devil and his angels. You see, God prepared heaven, the kingdom, for humanity, in essence. God never had in his mind that he would send any human to hell. That was not God's will. That's not God's plan. God's plan is that all should repent and all should turn to him. God has done absolutely everything within his power short of changing your and my free will to convince us to say yes to this king and turn our hearts and our lives over to this particular king. But God will also honor the choices that we make while on this earth 
And if I choose to turn my back on God, and if I choose to not live my life the way God wants me to live my life, God will honor that choice. But this particular group is surprised as well, right? I mean, Jesus goes on and says, For I was hungry, you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, you didn't invite me in. I needed clothes, you didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't look after me. And they're like, what? I don't know what you're talking about. And then he says, they will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison, and we did not help you? It's like, we, we didn't know. And Jesus will say, truly I tell you, verse 45, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. I'm sure in their minds they're saying, I didn't know. I didn't know any better. How did I know I was supposed to do that, right, while I was on this earth? I didn't, I didn't realize that that's what I was supposed to do. But what's most amazing to me, too, about this is, the condemnation of this group of people is not because of some terrible act that they committed. It is because of what they didn't choose to do. In other words, when they saw somebody being bullied at school, they just walked right on by and did nothing at all. Or when they saw a neighbor who was in need, they just went back in their house. Or they bought themselves a new iPhone rather than you know, giving money to a co-worker because their kid was sick. In other words, it's the sin of omission, of not doing what we know God wants us to do. And just as acts of mercy display a heart given to God, so the, the omitting of acts of mercy reveal a self-centered heart that follows a different king, a king that's called me. So we are accountable I mean, there is no doubt about it. Someday we will stand before the judge. But i got to tell you, that is a heavy passage of Scripture. It makes me feel a lot of guilt. Because I'm the kind of person that I'm, I'm pretty good at just ignoring the needs of people around me that I don't know because I, you know, I don't see Jesus there. But Jesus' intent is not to heap a bunch of guilt on us. Jesus' intent here is to show us what he values how he wants us to be spending our life on this earth, what he wants us to put as a priority. The only problem for us is what? It really goes against the grain. Oh, what are you so happy about? Oh, nothing. We had a great night at our church meeting. It was all about signing up for different community services. Oh, God. <laughs> I signed up for a couple things. Oh, okay, so we're coming. <laughs> And I thought it might be nice if you would volunteer to help some people in need. Eh, that's not really my thing. Well, you might want to make it your thing because I signed you up, too. What? Yeah, one hour a week at St. Teresa's Hospital. An hour? Yes, this is about giving your time, getting involved. I'll write him a check. No, right, because it's not about money. Oh, no? Listen. Money talks, and we all know what walks, okay? <laughs> Believe me, they'll be very happy with my $20. Right, you know what? Let's forget it. Well, oh, you see? This is what I don't like about charities. It's all about making people feel guilty. What? What did I do? I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I asked you to volunteer for something you refused. Your guilt is your own. 
you know how to work it. Look, Ray, all I'm saying is that I just really love the charities that I'm involved with. And I feel like we have a lot, and I really enjoy giving something back. I mean, that's what people do. No, they don't. All right, you know what? I'm not going to argue with you. If you don't want to volunteer at the hospital, you don't have to. This is between you and him. Oh, you are shameless. Don't, don't bring him into it, okay? That's not going to work with me. So here's what this passage is not saying. It is not saying that if you're standing at the checkout and there's one of those charity jars and that you take a handful of change, that by the time that change drops into the bottom of that charity jar, you've bought your way into heaven. It doesn't mean that if, you know, you give some extra money for a table saw at Love the Lou, by the time you finish signing that check or you hit the button send, that you've just bought your way into heaven. He's not telling us that it is our works that get us into heaven. What he's telling us is that our works reveal the heart that we have for God. The clear teaching of Scripture is that salvation only comes when we put our full faith and trust in the death of that king when he was on this earth and he gave his life for us on the cross. That's the only way that we can go to heaven. In fact, Paul says this in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. He says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. We're justified or made right freely by his grace, not by our works. And we are uh, through the redemption. In other words, he paid us back. He gave us his life so that we could be in heaven with him. And so acts of mercy don't produce salvation, they reveal it. In fact, even if you look at the surprise of the sheep, you know, when Jesus says, well, you did all this for me, they're like, when did we do that for you? Which means absolutely that they had no idea that they were trying to do that to earn merit. They were just doing it because that's what God wanted them to do. And so we are all accountable. We're also going to stand before the judge himself. And when we do, we need to understand where the king places this high value. He places this high value on serving those who are the least of these. And i got to tell you, I'm so thankful to serve in a church that values this. I mean, so many of you in so many ways value this. Here, here's some things in my experience just in this last week that was some of you. Uh, I texted with one of our men who leads a group of guys who spends many Saturdays downtown mentoring youth. I had breakfast with one of our men who uses his significant influence to raise money for those who are sick because of cancer. Um, I emailed one of our men and asked him to use some of his skills and expertise because he wants to help us increase our influence and be able to serve more people in this particular community. Last Sunday, one of the newer ladies of the church, she comes up to me and tells me about her battle with cancer and how she wants to use that to influence and encourage other ladies who are going through that same battle. One of the men this week helped create some of the videos that we have. Just use some of his skills, the things that he learned, to be able to help make an impact. One of the men helped um, provide some information this week. I had a phone call with him 
um, because of his experience and his job and his expertise to be able to help an older couple in our church who were struggling with some relationship things. I mean, this is so many stories again and again of you who love Christ, who love this church, and you see, not because you're trying to earn something to heaven, your way to heaven, but you just want to show that kind of love and mercy to people outside the walls of this church. And most of it's never known, right? Most of us don't get our name up, you know, on a stadium lights or something like that. But every once in a while, something unusual happens. So I want you to listen to a story of one of the guys of our church. Hi, my name is Brian Larson. My wife, Danae, and I have been coming to Wildwood Christian Church now for over 15 years. About 10 years ago, I felt God's nudge to get involved with David's Well Ministry and Panama Mission Trips to provide clean water. The stories about the villages not having clean water and all the waterborne illnesses that they suffered was compelling. But I felt uncomfortable and I didn't feel qualified to talk about Jesus to other people. But I pushed past that and decided to go. It was an amazing and life-changing trip. God used my abilities and helped me get past those feelings of, of being unqualified. And in fact, helped me talk to other people outside the church about the mission trip and why we're going on the mission trip and about Jesus. More recently, I've been involved with Love the Lou and Lucas Rugley, and I have worked together to do some experiences for some of the youth. We took three kids from Love the Lou to a Chiefs game over the summer. And we went to my parents' farm and had a great time experiencing things that they'd never done before. During the playoffs, the Chiefs decided to honor Wildwood Christian Church and Love the Lou and David's Well and Lucas and myself at what's called the Lamar Hunt Legacy Seat Honor. So Wildwood Christian Church and David's Well and Mission Trip team were all up on the big screen of Arrowhead and Lucas and I too. While we didn't feel so, I didn't feel so qualified, it's a great opportunity to encourage other people to get engaged. So I'm going to encourage you to get in the game. There's great opportunities, and if you feel shy or uncomfortable or unqualified, just know that God can help you push past that and use your abilities for his purposes. So really the lesson for us is to learn to value what Jesus values. I don't think I'll ever be put up on the stadium lines like uh, Brian was. But you know what? Um, like so many of the men and women of this church, he's just a guy who chooses to serve in different ways. And so let's value that. Let's start with our church family. I mean, who do you know that in our church family is in need or they're sick or they're lonely? It just... Do something simple to be able to be an encouragement to them. But let's also move outside the walls of this church. 
and make an impact and a difference in the places that you and I live. Um, you know, begin with your family. Your family is the most important place for you to be an influence and a witness to. And you begin by serving them. You know, sometimes we want to tell our family about Jesus, but you know what? Oftentimes it's much better to just show them the love of Jesus by how you minister to the needs. But think about your neighborhood as well. I mean, who could, who could you encourage and help and support in your neighborhood? Or what about where you work? about the people that you're in organizations with. In other words, let's move outside of the walls and recognize and realize that God can use our gifts, our talents, our abilities, even our own insecurities to make an impact and a difference. And so on your seat, um, there was a, a handout, actually two pages. The back page actually was from last week, which is the serving opportunities. But the first page lists for you opportunities that we have as a church. Many of those on the front page we already support. There was Love the Lou that Brian mentioned. There was David's Well in there as well, but there's others. But then there are other great ministries, and this is just a couple of them. Circle of Concern, uh, 2535 Ministries. I know there are many that you're involved in, but it's like just taking a step to serve outside the walls of the church. But then if you turn to the back of that first page, the personal engagement opportunities. We just tried to write down several opportunities to get you thinking about how you can make an impact and a difference um, in people all around you. Um, we are so blessed in so many ways, and so I just want to encourage you, quit, quit limiting your understanding of serving Jesus to just what you do within the walls of this building. That's an important part, but that's a small part. God wants us to move outside of these walls and make an impact, uh, a difference. Maybe you have the gift of encouragement. So take a walk around your neighborhood, and as you visit people, do it the next couple of days because it's supposed to be real pretty, right? But as you visit with people, take note of what they say, and then write them back a note of encouragement. Or maybe you're really good at working with your hands. So you can join up with Andy on Saturdays, or you can go down. We're going to be going down on April the 23rd to have a serve day at Love the Lou, and you can be involved in doing that. Maybe you're good at making others laugh, and you love children. So volunteer at the Children's Hospital, or help out with families who are hurting, who need some respite care. Maybe you have this way of connecting with guys because you love sports, and so volunteer at the YMCA or during our vacation Bible school. Some of you are good with money or administration. You could serve at places like Love the Lou or other of those kind of ministries and make an impact and a difference. Get your small group together and brainstorm ways that you can serve within the walls of the church and outside the walls of the church. It's all about us. I mean, me first, learning as I see people who are the least of these as Jesus describes them. Rather than seeing them, somebody is, I think, taking advantage of me, look into their eyes and see Jesus himself. In fact, I want to challenge you to join me over the next seven days. That every time I see somebody who has a need, that I don't see that person, but I, I see Jesus and I would minister to them like I would minister to Jesus himself. Imagine the impact that can make just in your family. If we just kind of had that change of perspective, that change of viewpoint of Jesus, and they, we see people as Jesus himself. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you for the great blessing and the privilege and opportunity that you have given to all of us, Lord, to be able to,
to serve, to be able to minister, to be able to encourage. Lord, you have done so much for us. And our prayer, Lord God, is that you would open our hearts and our eyes to see our lives as a funnel of blessings to others through, through our hearts because of your love that you've poured into our lives. Lord, help us to see that we can be a light in our families, in our neighborhoods where we work. Father God, a light that brings glory to you because of the good deeds that people see in our life that we do, not because we're trying to merit salvation, Father, but because we're so blessed because of what we've inherited through your Son, Jesus Christ. So, Lord, help us to become your servants. Help us to become men and women who see our lives as opportunities, Father, to see you and others and to serve them, Lord. And it's in your most precious name we pray. Amen.